This is Werewolf the Podcast, a podcast about the role-playing game, Werewolf the Apocalypse. Have you heard of high-level games? If you're a content creator looking to make your dream a reality, you need high-level games. High-level games does layout, editing, and development support such as Kickstarter and more. Even if you're not a creator and just want to enhance your game with exciting new supplements, go to highlevelgames.ca and check out Dark New England for V20. High-level games. We want to help you level up your role-playing game. Highlevelgames.ca Welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Josh Heath. We are joined by Carrie. Carrie, how are you today? I'm super duper. Fantastic. <laughs> we are going to be talking about a very different type of werewolf, the apocalypse book today, called The Silver Trademark Record. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> we need to talk about that before anything else. Before anything else. Um Make sure you know where to put the trademark mark on your trademark. <laughs> the little TM. Yeah. Oddly, on the cover of this book, the trademark mark is after silver and not the silver record. So it seems like they've just trademarked the silver. So for me, the big problem is that this cover is really sharp. Yeah, it's great. It's They, they printed it on a... Um, on a brown textured cover and then the silver record is in silver print and then the glyph for the silver record is in like a copper the and it's just really sharp and simple and then they threw this tm just kind of randomly on the r of silver and 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 like and it's in silver as well so it really stands out then yes and I, I don't know, like, I know that you have to have trademark marks on things. I don't necessarily know that you have to have it on the front cover, though. I've seen front covers with titles that don't have TM on it. And the fact that they wanted this book to be used as an in-character prop at times, I yeah. feel like, you know, at least just put it on the binding or on the inside. They did not need to put the, and I apologize if you hear a dog barking. That's my new puppy. You know how last recording you were talking about how you had the PDF of this book. And so you were missing out on some of the cool coverness. Well, yes. I have the PDF <gasps> copy of the silver oh, record. No. And the cover is just black and white. And it's not bad, but oh, it's just no, black it's and white. It's a pretty cover though. Look at it's so pretty with the shiny. That looks beautiful. I just yeah, I just flashed him the cover over Zoom. <laughs> Great yeah, this audio. is definitely a book that you want to have. Yeah, yay. Um no, this is definitely a book you want to have in hand. Yep. Cuz like I said, even the the pa- not paper, but the the cover they use the thicker for the for the front cover um has a little bit of texture on it. And so, and they do that because in the opening of the book, the, the narrative, the, the person whose name, of course, I don't remember off the top of my head, um, the Philodox, who's telling yeah. you about the- which Oddly, is- a Philodox that's in charge of the yeah. silver record. Why There's- not a Galliard? But okay, well, fair enough. I feel like it's White Wolf going, ah, again, like, like, you know, like, oh, changing the rules just a little bit. You know, like, no, your examples should be- the normal thing right let the players be the exception but but white wolf narrative has never been that way they're always like we're the special thing gonna tell you about what you should do right but uh this philodox talks about how this book is supposed to be made out of black spiral dancer hide and so they tried to make it a look look a little like werewolf hide i guess tanned werewolf hide i don't know what that would look like but maybe like the front cover. I don't know. I, I, I dig that whole thing. I know it's kind of gross, but there's, I love redemption stories, even if it's just like, you know, well, I've redeemed them because I'm using literally them for something good. Right. And there's a bit in here where they talk about uh, cleansing the hides and all of this sort of thing. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like, that is at least putting those things into use. So yeah, fair. Yes. 
that actually has influenced me as a werewolf storyteller a lot more than I realized because I've made I've had several stories where you know like I, I did I did a whole um story on a bone clave once in how every alpha had to add a bone to this clave and then they had to do this big ritual you know and it was very cool and fun and all that and I realized that I think I got that from the idea that you know like the body keeps you know giving yeah even when the spirit is done right which um when you dive into that like regeneration sort of thing you can do some weird maybe gross again body horror but gross but cool mm -hmm. sort of like hey i'm going to shed a part of my body for this thing and it regenerates so i'm good but it also is sort of a like what can we do with that thing yeah. you can do a lot of weird stuff with it so oh no i'm i made them use silver oh oh they, wow they had so to they give were it done. up yeah, no, they had to give up, you know, a hand or a, a whatever it was they were doing because to me, werewolf is all about hope and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And it's not really a sacrifice if you can grow it back. Fair. So let's back up a little bit. We sort of <laughs> talked about what this book is, but let's Yay! explain this book in some detail. This is an in-character look at the silver record or mm -hmm. the histories of all of the things the Garou Nation has done in its forever history. It's supposed to be the Garou's Bible. Right. Um, but what's neat about it is even in this book, they say, oh, you think this is the silver record? There are many silver records. Um, so like if you are um, running a game, you can have your own silver record and it doesn't have to have these stories in it. Right. You can create can, your own. It can but it can have other stories as well or you can pick and choose it is a lot like the bible they pick and choose and they put whatever <laughs> whatever they need together to work for whatever they're trying to teach yeah which makes sense like this is not it's sort of like the book of nod was for vampire for vampire mm -hmm. the masquerade folks this is like that version of thing but it's a lot more fluid because the garu are mostly an oral tradition anyway yeah. so there is this, some of our deeds and some of our stories have been put down into a physical form because we need to just keep them because sometimes oral histories get lost. And this is a way of preventing that. I have a really fun uh, side story about the Book of Nod. Can I tell it real quickly? Sure, go right ahead. So my first troop that I ever LARPed with, uh, we did Vampire and we went for like, I think it was two years and then they decided to wrap up the story. And then we, we had a picnic afterward, which was very funny. Um, you know, like we all met at a park and had a picnic and everyone had to bring a, a food or dessert to share with someone. Right. And I got it. I got dessert. So I made fortune cookies and I put lines from the book of Nod in them. And the player, uh, I don't remember what his character's name was, uh, but but his the player's name was, was Bruiser. Bruiser went around gathering up and he's like i'll have the whole book of nod <laughs> and he's like collecting them and trying to put them in order and it was very funny it was so it was like completely out of character and ridiculous but it's like what one of those things that I've, I've always been very proud of because it was so stupid <laughs> that's awesome but that's what these types of books are good for yeah is for giving your players like a little bit of lore for them to obsess over mm -hmm. or get dig into or like, I see this as a big story hook book, a book of, hey, here's different ideas you can use for plot hooks in your game. There's a bazillion of these stories in this book, not a bazillion, but like, I want to say there's like four stories in this book where they're like, and they're still roaming around today. Right. <laughs> You're like, oh. Just to emphasize, yeah, you can no run one, this as a story. No one has ever seen them, but we know they're still out there. Right. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. Um, let's back up one more time for a by the numbers <laughs> thing on Sorry, this Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, this book, The Silver Record, was written by Bill Bridges, Bill Brucato, Ethan Skemp, and developed by Ethan Skemp. There's basically no art in this, but the glyph design and illustration was done by Rich Thomas. We did an interview with Rich Thomas where he talks about some of the ways he 
created some of the glyphs. So if you want to go back and listen to that, it was a great interview. Um, and this book was published in 1999. So it's smack dab in the middle of all of these other books that are mm -hmm. late second edition era, almost revised era, that are really, really good. Mm -hmm. And it starts off with kind of framing what it is, which we talked about a little bit already. It's Black Spiral Dancer Hides, then stories. And then it starts giving us some of those stories. So I don't know, I don't want to ruin any of these stories, Carrie. So I, that's my big worry about like talking through them. Like, I don't want to say, oh, this is what this story is or that story is, but do you have thoughts on the stories? Do you have? Oh no, I'm going to ruin them. We're talking about them. All right. This isn't a big book. If you if folks want us to talk about this book, we're going to have to talk about the stories. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, I won't. We won't go into super detail. Um, and you know, a lot of these stories aren't very long. Right. So if we talk about them at all, you're going to get a good chunk of it. That's just. It's just the, the way it's going to be. Yeah. So yeah. if you want to read the silver record and not be spoiled, pause. Pause. Go do pause, it. read, and then come back. <laughs> um, okay, so my my first of all, I'd like to talk about the silver record as a whole. I love that the way this is presented to the reader is that the silver record is about sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But there is so much, there is more hope in this book there than there is in any of the other werewolf books. Yeah, absolutely. And it's bizarre because the hope is coming from an in character from this philodox who is saying hey we screwed this up let's make it better you know like and because a lot of times you read all these white wolf books and you're just like oh gosh why are they bothering right they've done everything. all these horrible things they're stuck with it you know yeah everything is terrible and in this book there's a everything's terrible but like there's there's this like push to do better and i and i really wish that that feeling was in more of the regular werewolf books yes because i think if that feeling was in the werewolf books it would suddenly you would be the heroes trying to save the world instead of well, we're monsters and we're just trying to live in the world of darkness and, you know, one step forward, one step back, which is a lot of times the way werewolf feels. Right. But the weird framing for the world of darkness has always been you're the monsters. Mm -hmm. But as the monster, you should have some sense of I'm the hero in my own story. Yeah. So it is this weird back and forth of like i'm a monster but i'm not i'm trying to do these good things but these horrible things keep happening there needs to be a balance of that in the books and usually it just leans on the like monstrousness of yeah, and, werewolves in the silver record like there's this sense of family mm -hmm. that you don't always get that you're supposed to get with werewolf but it doesn't come through always and and again a sense of hope like a sense of this generation can make things better and that, like, I was like, oh, I remember. That's why I like this book. And so, so I, 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 I do. I really do. Did enjoy this book. I, I did before, but rereading it, like, it sparked all this. Oh yeah, stuff in me. This is the first time I've read it. I, I knew it existed, but I never picked it up. It just was a book sure. that I was like, man, I'm not. It doesn't seem interesting to me. And when you were like, hey, let's record it. Let's do it. Um, um, what is this called a podcast on it yeah. I was like oh sure like why not I'll check it out and see what I feel about it and I read it pretty much in two sittings mm -hmm. which is odd for me because I struggle to read at the moment but being able to sit down and actually read through it felt good like I was like oh there's like all of this has connections it's got good connective tissue it flows well the stories are interesting and I felt coming away from it, like, I want to incorporate some of these ideas in my games. So that was a win from the beginning, which where the super record starts from the beginning. Yeah. So they've got a couple like creation myths, but even the, the philodox who's telling it goes, yeah, they're creation myths. <laughs> you know, there's, there were three, then there was one, then there was one, then there was three. Um, a lot of this book is written in poetry. 
or song, song. or s- song. Um, I I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little picky and just say that it's not the best poetry. <laughs> it's not it's not terrible. Um, I don't know that any of them were actually poets. Right. And I don't mean that. And again, I'm actually not being mean because I love writing poetry and I'm not good sure. at all. Like, um, and so sometimes I was like, oh, that was a good line. I like that. And other times I'm like, ooh, there you're, you're just looking to fill some space here. Like there was no reason to go on for three stanzas about that. Yeah. Um, the other thought, I'm uh, sorry to break in, but yeah, the, yeah. I, one other thought that I noticed throughout this is there's some framing of some of these stories in a Native American-ish form. I don't think it works particularly well because I don't think the um, the character in question that has the silver record is one from, from one of the Native American tribes. I don't believe they say what tribe he's from. Mm. They mention a couple tribes he's not from. Right. But they never. Besides, he's a Philodox, and they they give his name, which I think is Worms Takes Last. That sounds right. Yeah. Um. But but beyond that, they don't. They they. I think they're trying to leave him a little uh, ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair, and maybe maybe that explains some of that framing. Well, but I was kind of going, is this just more werewolf appropriation of native stuff? Or? Well, no. A lot of times, though, he'll be because like one of the first stories I want to say he says this is from the from uh the croatin right which this is from little brother Mm -hmm. this is from big like he he does credit if they are supposed to be from like one of the one of the the three tribes sure um but i don't know that i don't know like also reading things in that kind of like beat like in that in that kind of stanzas those kind of you know that kind of poetry is weird to read it and not hear it right because when you read it that way you're like oh that sound that's weird mm-hmm. or you know like you know like uh you know but if you hear someone singing that song you go oh that's beautiful but you know like, that's like when you read a a, a hip-hop song right and they're like you read oh ooh, ee, you know and you're like what no but when huh. you hear it you go okay that makes sense in the song yeah so it, that's that's a little weird. I almost wish they did a silver record um, podcast, or that would be cool. Yeah, you know, like you know, okay, you know, everyone send in songs, or you know, like so you could actually hear the way it's supposed to, because you know, like songs are about emotion, and that usually comes through not just with the verbiage, but with uh, the tone of the voice and things like that. Tone and rhythm and everything. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that would be neat. That would be a great like exercise in just telling like a player, hey, if you want to integrate some of these elements of the silver record, take some of these stanzas, put them to music. And like, if you're musically inclined and yeah. then do that, don't be me and come to a LARP and sing because I'm terrible at it, but I have done so in multiple <laughs> LARPs. And no, people- we all have <laughs> stand there and they're cringing because they're like this is terrible but it's in character then you're like but performance five you gotta like it (laughs) and all the players are just like great thanks immersive i i i played a lupus in a larp once who would fall asleep in moods (laughs) if the stories weren't entertaining enough players would get so mad and i'm just like Look, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep myself and the people around me entertained while you are entertaining yourself by telling the story. Right. Moots are both one of the best parts of Werewolf and the worst yeah. parts of Werewolf. Yeah, like, it, there, it really is a two-edged sword. You know, like you, you can't a, a guru game without ever having a mute moot mute a a, a, a moot is very um it's it's lacking but right, if you have missing. them every game you're just like oh stab me in the heart please <laughs> right oh another three hours of speaks <sighs> really long <laughs> oh they yeah and they'd always let me be the the fool which was always mm. a bad idea it's not, good. <laughs> not good at all um so yeah the the first couple songs are just you know 
and, and it's, what's weird is he's like, here's a fragment of a song. Right. And you're like, oh, what, was there more and you in the editors cut it out or? I think it was mostly the developer was like, I only want you to write this much, but assume Maybe. that this might be part of a longer piece of something. Maybe, so. yeah. Well, like, because then that g- gives uh, storytellers the room to here's the other stanzas. Right. If, if you are so inclined to such things. Right. Or have a player um, that's really creative be like, I'm going to add a, a whole section mm-hmm. to this song that we discovered. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I want to skip over to page 22 because they talk about the naming. Mm-hmm. They talk about the Weaver, the Wild, and the Worm, how they kind of balance each other out and how names are important. Um, but I, I noticed something little in this that I thought was really interesting they talk about how um the worm when it goes crazy wants to start naming things right but it it's all gibberish because it doesn't know how to name things mm-hmm. um and that just I don't know why reminded me of the way that when black spiral dancers come out from dancing how they speak gibberish and that's their name mm-hmm. and I don't know if that was intentional or not but I really dug that I feel like that was an intentional connection made. Yeah. Because it seems too Spot on. Co- coherent to yeah. not like have been intentional. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I like to give nods when I can because, you know, I do tend to be tearing, I tear things apart. <laughs> I know I do. So I'd like to, you know, I'd like to point out like that was a really cool little thing that made the whole universe feel a little bit more co- coherent to whatever the, the, major story they're trying to tell yeah you know so that was i also like the this book is really good about mentioning the five other books you know vampire werewolf mage wraith and changeling um in such a way that it didn't feel like it was name dropping right but more just like hey there are other things in this universe yep it feels coherent like as a world yes um like in this section where they talk about naming, they talk about how Gaia names everything because that's what she did. Um, but like when the Fae came around, she was dreaming. Mm-hmm. So their their names are all dreams. That's why they only kind of make sense. Which is cool. Like, yeah, and I went, like ah. adds a little bit of like depth to the changelings from a werewolf perspective that you're like, huh, like we could dig into that as a story idea. Well, it makes you feel like th- they are all connected in some way, even if it's not literally through Gaia. Mm-hmm. like the the werewolves have thought about it enough to make a connection right and that's nice which is better than we've gotten even in like uh rage across appalachia where mm-hmm. they have a supposedly a whole crossover changeling book that's like this really poorly crosses over into changeling yeah yeah, yeah. I also, uh, speaking of how they they connect with others, like when they talk about vampires, you know, first of all, I love the name leeches for vampires. Like I use that all the time. I use that in my, when I ran vampire, I would call them leeches. And my players would be like, hey, I'm like, sorry. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, hey. I'm like, nope, sorry. I'm at heart. I'm a werewolf. (laughs) Um, They they talk about how... um, the weaver created vampires which you know you know because they're always called weaver creatures and Mm. you know but like you never really go well why did the weaver create vampires and it was just because she was jealous and i love that idea like well i want children too right and Um, the way she did it was really kind of creepy like i'm gonna take these people and make them like perfect but they're not because I can't do it quite right. And then and it kills like, the spark in them, but then their their soul gets trapped in their husk. Yeah. And like, and I was like, oh, see, that's poetry. And the first of like vampire, the first leech, like the way they describe Cain uh-huh. is really cool in this. Like it makes me completely reconceptualize the way I would present him in a game. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be cool. There's some cool stuff you could do. And they also pointed out he's still around. Right. But in a way that makes you go, Ooh, like I could 
use this in a werewolf game, which I yeah. would never have wanted to do before. But like now I'm like, ooh, maybe I introduce Kane into my werewolf game. I, I love the idea of Kane just going, oh, more werewolves. <laughs> right. God, leave me alone. This sucks enough. <laughs> my existence is torture and uh, you keep bothering me. Quit howling. I want to go to bed. Yeah, you know, it's. <laughs> we dig into the dirt again and hide from the sun. Oh, I know. Oh, Helios. Oh. So yeah, so like these I, I I love I love this book. I'm just gonna before we even go that far, I'm just saying I love this book. I like it. Yeah. There's like uh, I think we keep saying, or I keep saying at least, that there's story hooks on story hooks in here, and it's well done. Like there's lots of stuff that's just fun. It's from a storyteller mm -hmm. or like a player perspective. Yes. Dig into here. Um, I would like to point out again, there is another story in here that's got some body horror mm -hmm. to it. Um, it's it's the uh, the mocking tree mm -hmm. story. What is up, especially with Ragabash removing parts of their bodies and their bodies just going doing other things? I don't. Like, that's gross. It is, but it is. <laughs> there are a couple of human cultures that know, have those but... sorts of myths <laughs> where things like the trickster spirits do that. Like there are a couple of African myths that I can think of mm -hmm. where like the wizard trickster being takes off a part of their body and it goes off and does a thing. It's so it's a thing. It's just it is. It, that particular story is like, oh, okay, there's lots of different body parts doing different Either, things. Yeah, there's a lot. Like, each one of them is like, I'm going to throw this out. You know, and you're like, whoa. Um, but the other thing is, is there a, am I not remembering a Ragabash gift? Can they do that? Is there like an elder Ragabash gift where they can remove their legs and their legs can go walk I around? don't know of one, but that I would be cool for someone to make if, if it doesn't exist in an actual book it would be cool for someone to be like hey i, just, I have I precedence should, for this there, there's a lot of precedent like in the story Woo! okay so that was my and again i won't we won't tell the whole story but everyone should go check out the mud wolf story yes because it's good very very good the mud wolf story was probably one of my favorite ones in here yeah um uh, again it made me go ooh how can I introduce this character into my game in some way, shape, or form? Well, and again, it's got sacrifice and hope. You know, and you're just like, when, when it's done, you're just like, oh, I get it. I get why werewolves would do this. Right. Like, why, don't, why they don't all just fall into Hirano or become Ronin. You know, like, it's, it's good stuff. And again, I'm a sucker for redemption especially for like worm creatures that become redeemed right like I, I just i love it that's like my favorite stuff like i will continue to say uh, this book is full of full of those things full of yeah. like little cool things to pull mm -hmm. out and, and build into a story and create a, create a, a chronicle out of if you wanted to mm -hmm. i don't know where we are in the book because of how we have been well, we're bouncing around. There's, there's lots. There's the city of maggots where they talk about fighting vampires, mm -hmm. which gives an, a different take on the whole um, Nod uh, and Enoch myth and things yeah. like that. And yeah. it seems to me like that's not the first city. The way it's written, it, it's in North Africa. I'm pretty sure, mm -hmm. and I think it's Carthage. It might be, yeah, because they don't specify which city of maggots it is. Right. <laughs> And if, um, if it's not Carthage, it's Corazon, which is the Bali home city. I am not as uh, up up on my on my vampire that kind of vampire lore. Sure. Um, so, like, I don't because they talk in the story about there being a, an abomination that's created. Right. If there is an abomination that's in either of those cities, um, then that would be a way to be able to tell which one it is. Because sure, and if they. A vampire person would probably be able to tell us, oh, it's exactly yeah. this place. And oh. I think it's one of those two places, and there are potentially abominations in both, but I'm not 100% sure. Sure. It could be anywhere, which is kind of an advantage. Like, you could, like, move that location to anywhere you wanted to for your story, but mm -hmm. it struck me really hard as Carthage more than anything so, else. 
in in this story, uh, if if anyone wants to has the book, would would like to read along. Um, but in the background are the the Garuglyphs for what's happening in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always I just love how they combine them together. Um, because if you're able to kind of <clears throat> pick apart what the um what the glyphs mean and you can start seeing how they combine them together you're like oh they are actually telling the story in the background right and and i yeah it's very very cool and the whole second half of this book or like the last third of it i would say is about explaining how the glyphs work so if Mm -hmm. you read through this and you're like oh this glyph is cool like it sort of tells a story like then you can go to that section and be like Hey, now I know how to put these glyphs together myself yes. and tell my own stories. Yeah, I've got I've got a bunch of notes on the glyphs too. Cool. <laughs> um, I'm just kind of going through. Real, there's the um, uh, some Silver Fang Russia mm-hmm. stuff that happens because that's a lot of bits on the Bastet in here also. Yeah, maybe a little yeah. bit more than I expected. I think there are three stories about the Bastet. And they're the only pharaoh that get like their own sort of like, these are stories happening and they're from a werewolf perspective, but it yeah. makes me kind of go, maybe I need more Bastet in my games. Maybe the Bastet Garu <laughs> crossover is more common than I have <laughs> ever portrayed it, but it's interesting to note at least. So my favorite story in this book is the first Ronin story. Because, mm-hmm. um, because it's great because it's it's from the first Ronin's perspective, and like the very first line is "Cursed be those who bore me, I vomit." Like you're just like, yeah, get them right. Um, the first Ronin is it was created as a boogeyman for werewolves. You know, he goes around, he's hairless, he has the names of his victims show up on his skin it's it's all very mysterious and like uh mechanical mechanic wise he always has plus one on you right you know so you're just like he wins always like you don't get away from him if he if your name appears on his skin he goes and kills you um and i just like love the idea that he he hates himself too right he hates everything he just wants to die and he can't because he's cursed because his stupid mom and dad and you know and it's interesting because they hint in different places that he's an abomination but maybe maybe not maybe not he's number two who is like one of the malfian uh lords in uh like underneath the worm but maybe maybe not yeah and then like this book is kind of like ah uh, you know maybe he's none of these things maybe he's just a werewolf that's kind of cursed that hates his existence and yeah, I, I lean towards that one. Mm-hmm. But again, that's the, I love the the um, sympathetic, like, you know, like that heartbreaking, like, existence that he's just tortured to be in, you know, like, because I imagine he probably kills dancers if he comes across them too. Sure, I would imagine. they make enough metis that I would think that that would be something he would do. Yeah. Um, so, anyway story hook anyway one way or the yeah. other like yeah and if a... someone does if someone does do the first ronin as a story i'd love to hear about it yeah please tell us about it if you've used it before or use it in the future that would be super cool to get feedback on um <clears throat> there is one story from the perspective of the corax yes one and, and that, like, all right cool and that's fun because they basically go help the guru, but don't get too close. <laughs> right. They'll get you. You snappy tooth things or something mm-hmm. like that. They say that. And I was like, ah, that's yeah. accurate. Fair. That's fair. There's also a story in here. Sorry, we're bouncing all over the place. We are. It's, it's kind okay. of As we're going through it. Um, there's a story in here called the Dawnflower, which I really like. It's um, a story about a child of Gaia who grows a garden. And there's a layer here, again, from a vampire perspective. If you are, know about um, Lilith and her gardens, mm-hmm. and if you know about exalted lore, Lilith might have been a um, 
a whatchamacallit, a, um, a lunar. And the lunars are the exalted versions of like changing breeds. Like they can transform into all these different animal forms and everything like that. So there's this, this loop thing going on here where I'm like, okay, this is a child of Gaia, but mm -hmm. she strikes me as much more powerful than the normal, like I'm an elder werewolf. Like there's just something about the way they describe her and the story that makes me go, this is them linking to this idea of maybe an older myth and just putting in this child of Gaia thing as saying, this is the character. Which I would think that most of the stories in the silver record that are old probably are just you know, like they don't necessarily have to be no really his name was bob right they're probably not 100 so, accurate right yeah absolutely not because because again it's like the bible they're using these stories to teach the new generations of what to do and what not to do right it's things like fairy tales like jack and the beanstalk for mm -hmm. example that absolutely the, that story structure is ancient it's like six thousand or eight thousand years old we know this from like language record translations and stuff stuff people cool. smarter than us much and cool like research <laughs> my wife does research into this stuff and she'll tell me stuff and i'm like that's fascinating i have no idea what you're talking about uh -huh. um <laughs> but it's cool story fodder and that's the sort of thing that's happening here but the thing that i really like about the dawnflower story is there's a uh a, um, a shadow lord that gets humbled yeah but never stops being shadow lord oh, no. like is like <laughs> You can like mock me for taking care of this garden all you want, but trust me, this is important. And if you don't realize that, you're the dumb werewolves. And I'm like, yes, that is a totally Shadow Lord attitude right there. Yeah, no, it's it. It was. It's nice to see Shadow Lords not portrayed as the evil villain twisting their mustache. Um, now. Mind you, that's how they're written most times. Right. Even in their tribe book, that's how they're written. So, like, you can't get mad at people for going, the Shadow Lords are the bad guys, because that's how they're written. Yep. But it's nice to see the other side of it. Yep. And as a advocate for the Shadow Lords, <laughs> it's nice to see, like, okay, there are these layers that you can peel into your characters that make them fleshed out and not just this, <laughs> I'm going to take over the sept. Yeah. <laughs> Which gets boring. You always want to be like, and then what? Right. <laughs> you, you've got the sap. Now what? I don't know. <laughs> and I've seen Shadow Lords and Marbs several times, like take over the sept, and then everyone's kind of like, okay, you're in charge. Yeah. Yeah. You're the big guy. Like I played a Shadow Lord once who was the highest rank in a sept, and I was like, I'm, I can't be in charge of your sept. And everyone was like, what? And I was like, I have way more important things to do. Like, I have a responsibility to the nation and to mm -hmm. like this whole thing. It was in a BNS LARP. So it was the whole um, two different groups of werewolves yeah, things yeah, going. Yeah. And I was like, I am involved in this issue and yeah. I can't be, I can't stay here all the time. And the players were all kind of like, cool. Like, thank you for not like, just, uh, mm -hmm. but also weird. Aren't you a shadow Lord? And I'm like, yes, but I'm playing a shadow Lord the way they are supposed to be played. Not the stereotype. I did something like that once with a silver fang, but it was the opposite. Mm. Uh, this was back in Chicago, and the sept I made I made the shout the silver fang, not knowing that silver fangs weren't allowed to be members of the sept mm. because something had happened, and like in the story, King Albrecht had insulted the sept totem oh, somehow, wow. and so I was like, "Can I be a guest?" You know, because I was like, well, I'm not going to re-roll a character, you know, like, or, you know, like, how yeah. we're going to do this. And so they let me stay as a guest. And I slowly kind of wormed my way into the heart of the totem. You know, like the totem was like, she's okay. I don't like anyone else. And the totem was like, you can follow me, but you can't be a silver fang then. Mm, wow. And, and I was the act, I was basically the acting den parent. And so it wasn't just me it was the education of like six other PCs. And so I actually had to renounce Falcon. Ooh. And I did this whole until I can't claim Silverfang until Silverfang's, until King Albrecht makes amends. And like I had the entire Silverfang tribe come down and I finally was like, I am not more important 
than these cubs right like it, so it was the opposite like i like downplayed what you know like i was like no i so like i ended up like calling myself a child of butterfly it was ridiculous <laughs> i should have been killed but i talked i was a ragamash so i talked my way out of it like right. every time and you know and eventually like it i i won which was the weirdest thing ever i shouldn't have but i did and and you know so but it was very fun because everyone would be like what tribe are you and i'm like children of god <laughs> are you a child of butterfly <laughs> like uh, like the shadow lords even said we'll take you because wow. it would piss off the silver well rings. of course and yeah, i was but... just like no i'm not going to start that war <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bit too far <laughs> stepped in the wrong direction i was like i've already got falcon pissed at me i don't need more <laughs> All right, now that we've completely gone off track. Yes. <laughs> One of the things I find interesting about this book is that it's chunked up into like a Kai concept for each of the sections, like sacrifice or kindness. I loved that kindness was a section. Yes, it's important. It's so important. Incredibly. Not not that each of those stories was actually about kindness, though. Yeah, but in there, though. But it was a thread. So I was they like, were right. they, they were trying. They were trying. They were in the mindset at the very yeah. least. Um, and it helps frame a lot of these stories where you're like, okay, mm -hmm. like this is what this is about. And it's not just old stories. Like I'm, mm -mm. no, I'm jumping way ahead. They have the story of this, of Albrecht and his pack taking on the seventh generation in here. Yes. And I hate the way it's told, but I also love the way it's told. Like it's told in an archaic way by the Galliard telling the story. And it sort of works, but it makes me feel weird about it all at the same time. Yeah, it's very first person. Mm -hmm. I was there. Right. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, here we go. Um, it, it all, for me, it almost reads a little like a blog. Yes. Um, which, I mean, isn't, it's, it's modern. Yep. So, like, that works. Um, but it's got, like, these weird, like, archaic elements to it like um i was there to witness kill king albrecht's slaying of the demon dragger dragger runter and the worms invisible minions like that's not the worst of them but there are like these weirds i sing now of the courage of albrecht and the wisdom of his allies his pack is mighty in all the virtues it's like well, yeah they're, they're leaning into this is a, a i bet a player did this story at a game at one point it just screams like that to me. Well, yeah, but and and if you go back though, all of these stories, they're not meant to be written or not. Right. I'm sorry, to be read. They're meant they're meant to be listened to. Right. And so somebody standing in the middle of a a moot going, "I was there." That's way more impactful than reading the words "I was there" because you want to giggle when you read them. But when you hear it out loud, you're just like, yes, tell us. Right. You know, and it, so like I I think that maybe they were hoping someone would read this out loud. Maybe, which would work and would yeah. be cool. There's also a bit in this which I find hilarious, where they quote directly uh King Albrecht's words. And this <laughs> is the part where it's like, you had all this sort of archaicness, and then he's like, and then and only then we will kick some worm ass. And I'm like, but you, but that's so King Albrecht. Super King Albrecht. It fits. Like all these pictures of Albrecht looking regal, you know, with the crown and, and standing and all that. And I'm like, yeah, but if you ever read anything about him, he's wearing a dirty trench coat and smoking a cigarette and going, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'm the king. I'm in charge here. Yeah. You know, and, and like, that's what makes Albrecht a, a, fun leader yes is that he's not regal that right. he wasn't a typical silver fang and, and so you're know, like i guess i gotta put this crown on my head you know and you're just like oh okay sir um and, and so like i love i do i actually like that just juxtaposition of of him going let's kick the worm's ass you know because you're just like oh there he is yep there's my king albrecht <laughs> basically snake pliskin from escape from new york <laughs> yeah like, that is King Albrecht, and the way they portray him in the art is, uh, it, I've always felt like that's not quite accurate. The, no. the core book with him fighting uh, Mari, where he's like wearing the duster and like mm -hmm. he's like, ah, and that fits, but the yeah. rest of it, 
not as much. Yeah, no, no, like he's he's not regal. Stop. <laughs> It's, it's like okay. the Shadow Lords are doing like a weird smear campaign against him. Right. Oh, make him look regal. Like, <laughs> what? He's got to look like a silver fang. He's make him like, look like a silver fang. That'll piss people, him off. Then when people meet him, they're just like, you're not what I expected, no, sir. you are not. <laughs> um, anything, any of these other stories you want to dig into, Carrie? Um, no, I mean, I don't want to read them out loud to everybody you know like go go read them um again be aware some of it is awesome and others of it you're like oh that is poetry um you know so it, it made me i i played a poet a long time ago in a larp not a white wolf larp like it was it was a space larp or something ridiculous and i didn't have time to write some bad poetry of my own so i went online and found like this like poetry generator where you put in words nice. and it would just spit out like poems that made no sense and this like i want to try that with guru words and see what i can get <laughs> That makes me want to like have an AI read all the werewolf like in character yeah. sections and be like, create a werewolf story and see. Uh -huh. I don't have the tech to do that, but that would be awesome. And the werewolf was very werewolfy. Yeah, and you're just like, no. The rage came out of his eyes. What? No. Interesting choice. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Um, but this book does have a section on glyphs. Let's talk about glyphs. So glyphs is like my favorite werewolf thing ever. Right. You've mentioned I, that before. So I, was, I, I knew you'd be excited I, about this. I love glyphs so much because it it is um, easy enough to understand the glyphs that I'm, I don't feel like I'm actually learning a second language because I'm not good at that. Like I can count to 10 in Spanish and that is it. Like if someone needs numbers, we're good. But beyond that, sorry, everybody. Um, and, uh, and I think maybe because I'm an artist, because I'm visual, like I like finding the, uh, the symbolism mm -hmm. in all of them a lot. Um, and, and I, and I love telling stories with them when I used to, um, you know, when, when I used to do, uh, the den parenting thing, I made flashcards of the glyphs and I actually taught them in character. And I can remember we'd have visitors come that were not cubs that would sit down during the lesson. And they were like, oh yeah, no, this is, I suddenly feel like I understand this a little bit more. Or, you know, and I would always make snide comments about other tribe. You know, like you, you can put whatever spin you want on the glyphs, it's so much fun. The so cool fun. thing for me is using the glyphs in books so mm -hmm. when I have made werewolf stuff for the Storytellers Vault, the one of the art packs was a glyph art pack. And it has almost all the glyphs from the Silver Record. It doesn't have all of them. It's very weird. It has almost yeah. all of them. Okay. Um, and I like leaving them in places where I'm like, I'm referencing like this thing. And so here's a stream that is mm -hmm. referenced in the story and all of these little layers. And you just get yeah. to like, it, it is immersive when you understand like this is what this glyph means and, and if you pull it into everything and what's neat is if you don't know what the glyphs mean they still feel werewolfy right so you're just like okay it's decoration werewolf all right you know but you know so it doesn't take away if you don't know what they mean yeah and you can hint at things when feel really clever mm -hmm. and <laughs> other people that pick it up will feel clever as well but you know I, there is one book out there that I have done that has a couple of worm symbols next to characters that are fine, not uh, not worm tainted at all. No, not they're, at all. They're yes. totally good. And I was like, nope, there's some worm glyphs to let you know, like, this is not what you think it is. So, yeah. You know. What's weird is once you establish in your mind, okay, a spiral means the worm, the, the two the claws hatched together means weaver, you know, the crazy squiggle means wild. You start seeing that stuff everywhere. Yep. And, and it's funny because you're just like, oh, look at that. It's a worm store. Oh, look at that. You know, and you're like, oh, I need to stop gaming. <laughs> but it's fun. Yep. The, 
I have done things like that throughout the years where I'm like, you know what, this show reminds me of White Wolf. And then I deconstructed it as if it was a White Wolf story or things. You know, yeah. gamers are going to game. So, yeah, that is very true. Um, what I also really love about glyphs is that they're organic. And yes. by that, I mean they change, their meanings change. Like the Shadow Lord glyph. Um, it, it started off meaning meaning those who seize and hold right and now it means those who own master the shadows and that's because the shadow lords influenced what the symbol meant and i love that you and also they're organic take the glass walker symbol mm-hmm. you know it was uh the iron riders and then the city of is it city of men or warders of men warders of men city mm-hmm. of men um you know, and, and they just were like, we're just going to keep making it bigger. <laughs> but and, it feels like there's a progr- a sensible progression of the glyph mm-hmm. and how the glyph is presented. Which yes. they did it backward because, of course, they wrote the, they created the first glyph first, the Glasswalker glyph, and then, like, yeah. deconstructed it to make the other ones. But still, like... It works. It whatever. works. Yep. Um, and and I, I just, I love that, that, that they're organic and they grow because that basically is giving license to storytellers and players, make your own glyphs. Yep. Look, yep. these change, you can change them too, you know, uh, and that's super, super fun. They're like runes uh, for people that are familiar with uh, Nordic uh, Germanic runes. You can create what's called a bind rune by taking a bunch of runes and making it into a, a different symbol. And it has a new meaning because it's all of these runes combined. You can right. do that with the glyphs and say, hey, this is a glyph about water. And this is a glyph about s- stars. And so star water might mean the Milky Way. You yes. can do like things like that. And it totally is in keeping with the story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think I'd like to talk about the Black Spiral Dancer glyph. Okay. Because it's fun. Um, so... You know, as we know, story-wise, the White Howlers fell and become the Black Spiral Dancers. Um, the Black Spiral Dancer symbol is the worm symbol. And then basically what happened is some, was it a Fianna? I don't remember which which tribe it was. Somebody saw, saw what the Black Spiral Dancers had become and was like, ah, and they attacked the worm symbol, the worm glyph. And it's, so it's got, it's the, it's the spiral with all these crazy marks on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing that I don't know that it's in this book and I don't know where I learned this from. I don't remember if this is in a book or if another player pointed this out to me or what, but the black spiral dancer glyph actually has the white howler glyph in it. It does. And it's heartbreaking. Yes. It's so sad. So if you get a chance, look at the two together and you'll see it. And then you're going to go, oh, no. And I think what's really interesting about this from my perspective is this is not supposed to be used by the Black Spiral Dancers. This is a Gaian Garu glyph to mm-hmm. represent the Black Spiral Dancers, which to me gives me to like two ideas. It's like if the Black Spiral Dancers have adopted it, cool, fine, they can do that. Well, it says in here they did. Okay. But the other part of me makes me go, no, I don't think they actually should adopt it. I think they should have their own symbol. And that allows you to be like, uh, like, what is this weird tag that we keep seeing around town? Right. Oh, that's the actual Black Spiral Dancer tribe symbol. Right. Which would be kind of neat. Yes, absolutely. Um, I would also like to point out that I think it's very neat. And I'm, I'm doing another, I'm, in the process of finishing up another project dealing with glyphs right now. Um, but to point out that most glyphs appear to have been done with a right hand. Right. So I don't know what that means. I don't know why most werewolves are right-handed, especially like lupus werewolves. That's weird. But um, so you can, you can actually see the claw marks are pretty consistent if they were going to be done that they would be done with a right hand. Mm-hmm. That's probably just because Rich Thomas happens to be right-handed. Most but likely. It's an most interesting likely. thing to note. Like mm-hmm. that is a cool, like if you then take that as a story plot hook idea and you start saying these glyphs have all been done left-handed. Well, yeah. And then what you're like, it? are they backwards? 
Right. Or you know, does that change the na- the meaning of the glyph if it's backwards? Like it, do maybe do all left-handed werewolves have big smears of, of stone down their arm where they've rubbed <laughs> their arm? <laughs> the things we need to know is storytellers. No, these are the important things. Come on, step it up, White Wolf. Okay. <laughs> um, I uh, I just want to talk about the other glyphs that are in here. Yes, quick. yes. Um, there are Bastet glyphs and mm-hmm. Korax glyphs. I think that's it, right? Yes, because everyone else either uses Guru glyphs or they're like, screw that, we're just using language. Right. Oh we, God. the Macaulay, don't need to write things down. We've all yeah. got it in our heads. Okay, fair. Uh, and, and the then, uh, Ananasi were just kind of like, uh, writing. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh, sorry. You know, the weaver and humans created this nice thing. It's called writing. We're just going to yeah, do we're, that. We're good. <laughs> Goodness. I like the Bastet glyphs because they're very much, they're very different than Garu glyphs. But I don't like them because I can't see a cat actually making these. They're so sassy. I can because they're so sassy. Okay, fair enough. I think they're too, what's the word I want to use? Too gentle, maybe? Like Mm. they're too... um, Delicate? Delicate. And I know that cats can like appear to be delicate, but I just don't quite see it. Well, I think that they were just trying to do something that was completely different from the Guru. Because Guru are all claw slashes right and the the um the bastet are all very twirly and very like they almost all feel like cloud designs yep um and and so i i understand what you're saying but i think that they were um they just had to do something different sure it feels very different and i think that's cool I think if I were to expand them, I would have like a mix of styles right. where there were some ones that looked a little bit more like Garu glyphs mm-hmm. and um, then some that were like this and maybe they have a couple of different dialects. Like there was just stuff I would play oh, with. Oh, now see, as soon as you start doing dialects, in the, no, it's too much. <laughs> too much. It's the Tolkien nerd in me where I'm like, I'm going to have Sindarin and Kenwa and... Like, ah. Uh, and here's the dictionary for each one. No, no. Um, I would like to point out that I love their uh, their symbol for the guru because they're just like they're just like screw you, guru. And they they made it a combination of oathbreaker and um and fury and one other thing. Oh, and in the moon, Celine, like. Like, they were just like, you know, if a guru can figure out what these all mean, <laughs> you're like, you're just like, you you really are hurt and have not gotten over this uh, war of rage thing. Understandably <laughs> so. Yeah. It, um, it's another one of those little, like, hey, here's a, mm-hmm. like, for the person that understands it, a little, like, Easter egg for you to find yeah. it and be like, ah, uh, wow, yeah. sassy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they're they're yeah they're they're so sassy. Goodness, <laughs> I like the Korax ones too because they're simple, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, they're something that a beak could like make, in uh, or like a a, a what call it a, a clawed foot could make really talon. easily. Yeah, talon. Nah, that's well, weird. It says that they all ha- that they're all supposed to be made in Krynos talon. Right. Which cracks me up because they hate being in Krynos. Right. And so I imagine them being like, wait a minute, everybody, everybody close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so in my uh, patron-backed werewolf game, the first game, we ran the first game a couple of weeks ago. We yeah, have yeah, we need to talk about how that goes. It's been great so far. I'm. Um, we may be putting it out as a recording for Yay! listeners of the podcast. Um, it all depends if I ever have time to edit it or if I <laughs> okay. find someone to edit it. Um, that said... Our Korax did go into Krynos form. Oh no. And he was like, I really don't want to have to do this, but I kind of have to. Like, it's really important. And he shifted into the form and he's like, he described his big bird form, and all the Garu are just kind of like, this is 
both scary and, and like weird weird but like <laughs> they were like appropriately like polite about it <laughs> that's surprising but okay <laughs> right well the pack all the players characters are in some way abnormal werewolves mm -hmm. insofar as they're like we're kind of okay with like working with one another cross tribe we're okay with working with the pharaoh we want to like their main mission is getting the pharaoh and the garu nation to work together right so they're sort of trying this um, but there, you, there was definitely a moment where, like, the player was describing his Kronos form, and everyone was a bit like, "Oh, <laughs> great!" I ran. I had someone who insisted that they wanted to play a Korax, mm -hmm. and I in in a LARP that I ran, and I said, "Look, I'm not. I you know I don't have enough Guru to justify a, a Beta yet." And when and they said, "Well, I'm not playing a Guru." So I'll just wait till you have enough. I was like, okay. So like two years go by. And so finally I was like, okay, now we have enough players to justify. So he comes in with a Korax and he's all like, and I'm smarter than everyone else. And I'm, the, you know, and, okay. You know, but then something happened and he was like, well, I'm going to shift to Krinos. And I was like, wait, wait, are you, are you sure you want to do that? And he was like, yeah because they're kicking my ass and I, I need to and I was like I'm gonna pull you off to the side for a second I was like you look goofy and he was like no I don't and argued with me and like I had to pull out the book and I hate having to do that to a player right and I was like it says right here they don't like doing this because they look goofy he was so mad like for some for some reason it never clicked in his head he he and I know he's read it because right. he knew everything else but like and he was so mad because he was like so I have to make a fool of myself if I want to fight and I was like yes yes that's kind of the implication yeah so I love the idea of of these Korax like being mad that they have to leave glyphs right. Uh, <laughs> like oh, I gotta leave some writing. Yeah, <laughs> everyone go get a coke or something. Leave me alone. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> this, um, I think, I want to wrap this up and say that I think this is a great book. So people should go and get it. I do too. Absolutely. The only thing I want to bring up real quickly is that all the ads at the end of the book made me giggle. <laughs> Okay, I don't have any of the ads. Oh so. my gosh. So the ads are all for like 2000 Year of Revelations. Oh, nice. The Hunter, know, the Reckoning. Hunter, stuff. the Reckoning. And then the last one is the um, Heart of Gaia. Oh, so sad. Yeah, 1999. But they, they crack me up because like they're all like, it, it just reminds me how like White Wolf. Right. Everything, you know, like it was all like, so over the top but that's what it was so yep. you were okay with it but like I, I guess maybe my gaming taste has changed a little bit so I'm like ah! I think we have to appreciate the uh yes the time well it's a it's it's just a a, a moment yep a gaming moment that you can look back and go oh I was excited about that yep <laughs> I once got a speeding ticket because I had to go an hour and 45 minutes south to pick up my copy of the Zemisi revised book. <laughs> had. I had to. Had to! <laughs> and I didn't, I was not just speeding. I was going 140 miles Whoa. per hour because Gosh. I wanted to get to the store, get my book, and get back in time to pick up my girlfriend from, uh, from work. And... Whoa. This story is horrible. I'm going to tell this story for everyone so you can laugh at Josh. Ah! My friend had created a, uh, a prop gun for a LARP. Oh, no, 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 Josh. And it looked like a, a pistol. And it was in the backseat of my car. And I did not realize it was in the backseat of my car. I was driving 140 miles per hour down <laughs> the highway. I at one point was behind a bus, which I went around. <laughs> the bus called in to the police to report me. As they should. <laughs> because they saw the gun. 
and because they saw me driving so fast right four police officers four state troopers pulled me over surrounding me my friend was in the car with me and he's like what the heck is going on (laughs) and I'm like I have no idea like we're sitting there and like the the one officer comes up does the whole license and registration thing and I'm just like I'm gonna get a ticket this is gonna suck and they open my back door and they reach in and they pull this thing out and I look in the mirror and they're standing there holding this prop gun and I'm like oh no all this to get the Zemisi book. <laughs> I ended up having to go to court. Yeah. I lost my license for a period of time. Oh my God. I had like a $500 fine that I had to pay that I almost went to jail for. Oh no. Can you imagine going to jail and be like, what are you in for? Prop gun. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in the end, like the police officers were like, why do you have this? And I explained to them, it's a prop. I have it for like an improvisational storytelling thing that I'm involved in. I didn't realize it was, it was in the car. And they're like, you could have gotten killed. And I'm like, yeah. eh. I ended up getting the book and getting home and getting my girlfriend in time before she got out of. Uh, oh my God. So there was no reason for you to be driving that fast. Not really. No. Okay. But. You know. All right. The mom in me is going to shake my finger at you. This was me oh. in my like early twenties, folks. So you know things have changed, but yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. No gaming book is worth that. No, that no. is in fact, moral just story. Amazon them. <laughs> yes. Now we have <laughs> ways to avoid this. Yeah, whole just thing. don't, don't, don't do that at all. <laughs> all right. Now with these <laughs> random segues and my okay. like dirty laundry being spilled to the world, how many uh, go? How many Bird pecks out of ten, would you give this? I'm still on the correct kick. <laughs> how, many, no. how many glyphs? How many glyphs out of ten would you I, give this? Pick? I give it ten. I think that this is an absolute. If you are running a guru game that you want to have flavor, this is how you get the flavor. Yep. I think this is a wonderful book. It's an easy read. Um, it's what eighty pages, something like that. And, 127 total. Wow. Okay. Never mind. Um, <laughs> you know, I've read the glyph part so many times. I think I just don't. Right. I was talking about the written, written, sure. written part. Um, like, I would love to see a second edition of this. Like, yeah. I, I would love to see them put out different versions of this, just collect stories. Um, you know, like, I, I want someone on the storyteller vault to just start collecting guru fanfic because yep. <laughs> I mean that's what it is you yep. know and 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 just start putting them out because I think one of the best ways to have better games is to hear more stories yep I I would give this nine glyphs out of ten I think it's absolutely a necessary book as well I think it's doesn't it's not quite as long as I would like it to be which I know is a weird like critique mm-hmm. But I felt like there weren't enough stories of different time periods happening in this. And I want like a little bit of what's happening in the Dark Ages. Like what's the story from the, the Werewolf Dark Ages time frame that could be told here? That would have been helpful to have. What a would Wild have been, West story. A, a Wild West story would have been good. Like things like that would have helped me go, oh, like this is a thing I can use in this era, mm-hmm. which would have helped for using it in various different setting times. So excellent book. Not quite perfect, but very close to it. Well, I think it's perfect if they make more. Fair. There we go. Okay. Awesome. So on that note, (laughs) um, thank you everybody for listening. If you are not yet a patron patron of our Patreon, please go check Mm -hmm. out um, that and become a a patron of Werewolf Podcast. You can do so for as little as a dollar a month. And uh, if you have any feedback, questions, ideas, please toss them at us and we're happy to talk about that. So until we get an answer to the question of when will you rage, we'll talk to you again next time.